This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up on Vancouver Consumer, we're talking estate planning with Chris Sabat from Macmillan Estate Planning. How you can plan for that perfect retirement, save a bunch of dough on taxes, and make sure your kids are well looked after after you're, well, let's just say gone. But first, here are the uh, Vancouver Consumer headlines from this past week. Are you working from home these days and discovering that it feels like you live in your office? You can never leave work? Well, a downtown Vancouver hotel has the answer. Daytime room rentals. Like most hotels, the Belmont in Vancouver has been hurting because of COVID-19. And manager Jeff Leung says they can offer the basics, like a desk and internet and phone access, and also office equipment and supplies. So basically give you an office away from home. The big question, how much? A room to work in for 12 hours at the Belmont Hotel, 95 to 125 bucks. If you think that's too steep, I guess there's also the park. It looks like we're heading back into the brick and mortar retail outlets after a steep decline of 22% from February through April, thanks, of course, to COVID-19. Retail spending in actual brick-and-mortar stores in the Lower Mainland was up for the third straight month. The stores that have been doing the best were the furniture and home improvement places, as well as electronics and appliance stores. Many people figure that is related to the higher home sales we've been seeing across the province. And the Irish Supreme Court has ruled that the bread in a Subway sandwich, isn't really bread. The court in Ireland says because the bread flour is made up of 10% sugar, it's technically closer to cake. The reason it went to court is because the Irish government charges a value-added tax on sweet breads like donuts and cake, but not on staple foods like bread. And uh, this is Vancouver Consumer. On CKNW, you can retire in style, make sure your kids are looked after, and save a bundle on taxes in the process, because we are going to talk to Chris Sabat of Macmillan Estate Planning. One thing that is absolutely certain in this day and age is that everything is uncertain, especially now. If you watch the news, uh, listen to the news, you know things are strange. How do you make sense of all this? You can plan for the unknown, and my guest right now is an expert in that. Chris Sabat is with Macmillan Estate Planning, and Chris is with us now. Hi, Chris. How are you today? I'm very, very well, and uh, as I was saying, uh, you know, things are certainly strange right now. And uh, it is especially strange if you're, say, a person who's nearing retirement or you've just retired. How do you plan for the future? So that's a big, big question to start with. But, you know, what's your strategy at MacmillanEstate.com, Macmillan Estate Planning, for planning for the future? Well, that's, you know, that's a fantastic question. So, you know, when you think about, you know, as we age and, and sort of get close to retirement or, or ultimately move into retirement, you know, typically people are thinking about, about two things. They're thinking about, you know, about themselves and, and kind of their goals and their objectives and their plans for retirement. And, of course, they're seeing a lot of disruption in that regard. If your plan was to travel the world, 
uh, you know, chances are that that's on hold. But from a financial perspective, you know, the question that always comes up is, you know, will I have enough? Um, you know, will, will, will my funds be there when I need them to be there in order to, to meet my goals and objectives in retirement? And then the other question that always comes up too is, is, you know, ultimately one day when, when I pass, you know, what will the taxation of my estate look like? And, you know, the legacy that I leave my children or that I might leave for charity or something like that, will it be what I anticipate? You know, typically we have plans not only for our lifetime, but, but, you know, for our legacy as well. And so many families very much focus on ways to uh, protect asset values both during their lifetime so that they're there for, for use, but also to protect estate values so that they can, they can really plan to meet those taxation obligations and, you know, maybe, maybe set the children up or, um, you know, support, support charities, those sorts of things as part of their legacy. And that, that's the problem, too, is, is you don't know how long you're going to be around. You know, some people last a very long time. They live a long life. So that's got to be part of the planning. So I guess every situation is different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, of course, yeah, we don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know what sort of, you know, costs might be associated with health care in the future. Um, and we really don't know what's going to happen in the market. You know, we're now in this funny, strange world where it seems like the economy itself and the market market values, you know, sort you know, as far as our stock portfolio, are no longer kind of connected in any sort of logical way. And so it makes it very, very difficult to to plan. And so, you know, what many families do is they start to look at things like principal or capital guarantees as part of an investment strategy again, so that they know sort of when the when the investment matures what the value of that investment is or will be because there's a, a guarantee associated with it. You don't have to worry about a, you know, a significant market correction disrupting that. Um, you know, and again, when they pass, you know, what, what will the value of that portfolio be um, at that point in time from the perspective of planning for the security of a spouse or, or protecting the overall estate value? And in your experience, what's the biggest mistake uh, the bigger mistake that people make as they get older is that they're too conservative or they're not conservative, conservative enough in their investments. They're, they're too aggressive or not aggressive enough. You know, that, I mean, that's actually, I mean, it's a difficult question because when you, when you talk about, um, you know, how aggressive one is in the market, you know, a big part of it always is, a big part of the question is always, well, do I have time to recover if there is a downturn? And so, you know, that's going to depend on things like, you know, how old you are, what your health conditions are like, is longevity, you know, part of the family genes, because we're always trying to predict and kind of manage that that risk. You know, generally, as we age, I think most people just become more conservative by nature. Um, but, you know, generally, we also see a situation where our, our, our portfolios become more conservative. And so the great thing when you look at Things like principal guarantees, because the way we used to sort of guard against that downturn or or become more conservative is that we would hold more cash, we would have you know greater value of our assets and GICs. But now with interest rates being you know really at an all time low, that means that for a significant part of your portfolio, you're not actually generating any sort of income or any sort of meaningful income. So then then the question becomes, well, how do I how do I support myself? So, that, you know, the great thing when you look at things like principal or capital guarantees is it allows you to readjust 
that mix. And so you might actually have the ability to put more of your money to work for you to generate, uh, you know, dividend income, those sorts of things, which, you know, still still can be quite meaningful. But with, you know, with interest rates where they are, you know, if you're holding a lot of cash, if you have GICs, you know, that's a significant part of the portfolio. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong, but, you know, you're going to have a problem from an income generation perspective. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And Chris Sabat is with me from Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com, M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N estate.com. And for a lot of people I know, they're getting to the point where they're just about to retire and there's just no, there's no sort of checklist that you can do to say, oh, I'm ready to retire. You know, some people uh, are luckier than others. They have defined pensions. Some people don't, but it can be very complicated. And what is the first thing that you guide people to do when they're considering retirement? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. A lot of that depends on, um, you know, sort of the assets that they happen to hold. So so maybe it's two things. You know, first of all, you need to sort of sit down and assess and figure out kind of what your goals and objectives are for, for retirement. Um, you know, we're actually seeing fewer and fewer, you know, in particular entrepreneurs, they never really retire. They maybe slow down a little bit. Maybe they change the type of business activities that they're in, but there's always kind of another another deal there. And so, you know, you need to figure out, you know, what are your goals and objectives? What do you want to do in retirement? And, you know, then look at your asset assets and figure out, you know, sort of how they're going to support you in retirement. And a big part of that, you know, when it comes to estate planning, we think about it more from the perspective of building wealth throughout your lifetime. And so rather than maybe necessarily starting this assessment as you reach, reti- reach retirement, it's a sort of assessment that you should sort of be, you should be doing throughout and, you know, part of the reason that I say that is, you know, if you're a business owner, you know, there are certain tax planning, certain tax minimization strategies that are available to you. You know, same with farmers, um, you know, depending on, on the assets, even all of us, you know, we have our principal residence and, and, and there's a, a nice tax exemption that's currently in place for, for that. Um, you know, you need throughout the process to be looking at your assets and looking at some of the tax um you know, management or mitigation strategies that you might employ at various points in time. And, you know, just making sure that, you know, for example, you you meet the tests that would be imposed by Revenue Canada for things like the rollover of land or the utilization of a lifetime capital gains exemption so that when you get to retirement and you think you're going to sell the business and you think that you're going to be able to utilize that lifetime capital gains exemption as an example, that it's in fact there for you because you haven't you know, you haven't fallen outside of the the test that would be imposed by by Revenue Canada. Right. So the the most obvious one for most people is they have a house that they bought many years ago, and it's really, really appreciated. It's worth a lot of money now. So, uh, what's the what's the advice for people who whose main asset is their house? Um, just uh, you you kind of recommend uh, staying in that house if you can. Right, or would you? Yeah, you know what? It, at, at times, that's certainly the right strategy. Staying in the home absolutely makes sense, and you know, typically, we don't just think of the think of it as an asset. We think of it as you know, that's the place we want to be. You know, many of us, you know, yeah, we have to be dragged out of the home in our latter years, right? We want to stay there and 
and retire there. But but it is also an asset. And so depending on, you know, depending on the home and your own situation, sometimes, you know, you look at things like downsizing. And then, of course, what you're doing is is uh, on sale. You have a lot of after-tax or tax-free dollars that you can then invest in. You need to look for a, for a strategy to um, not only be able to, to utilize, preferably guarantee that capital, and also generate some kind of an income stream uh, from it. So, um, you, know, there, you know, when it comes to British Columbia, too, you know, when you're looking at things like estate value, you know, because of the value of real estate in uh, you know, particularly the, the lower mainland, you know, a lot of families look at things like ways to avoid having to probate that home to help avoid probate fees, which are really just another form of tax on our on our estate. So that's you know, a question. Do you, do you want to be there? Do you need the money? Um you know, and, and is it the right time to sort of convert that home into, uh, you know, maybe downsize and, and that sort of thing, right? Right. And think about maybe staying in the home and and uh, passing that home on to your children in a way that, it, like you say, doesn't generate a lot of tax. Well, well, that's right. I mean, any any growth currently is tax free, and you know that's one of the. You know that's one of the areas, unfortunately, where where many families are concerned right now because there is some talk about you know maybe limiting or removing that that exemption on the principal residence. I you know I don't know if it'll if we'll end up going anywhere, but you know if you've if you've managed to accumulate you know a few hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars or more in tax free growth in your home, and you're thinking about that as a a significant asset in your portfolio that will support you in the future. The idea that they might tax it now if you sell it, that's, you know, that's quite frightening for many, many people. Yeah, especially since throughout those years, they were assuming that they wouldn't be taxed. Well, well, that's right. They, of course, people assume they wouldn't, wouldn't be taxed, you know, and many financial advisors encourage you to buy the biggest home you possibly could because of this advantage. It's, it's, it almost feels unfair. You know, you plan with a strategy in mind that that's going to lead to some tax-free growth in, in your principal residence. So the idea now that they might sort of change the rule and start taxing, I, I don't know about you, but to me that just doesn't feel right. Yeah, no, it definitely, uh, it, it's an issue that <laughs> that needs to be thought about. Uh, Chris Sabat is with MacmillanEstate.com, and you guys do an interesting thing, a virtual seminar, and you have one coming up on October 21st at 5.30. Tell me about the seminar. It, this is free for people just to go online and, and get some advice. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely it is. So, you know, we, we have a bit of a video presentation where we'll talk about the different components of, of comprehensive estate planning, you know, asset protection strategies and tax planning strategies, um, we, you know, the various components of a legal plan, things like your will and your enduring powers of attorney. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately what we're t- trying to do is, is just, you know, pass on some sort of tips and techniques that might work for a particular family. Um you know, at the, at the end of the presentation, there's a, a live question session where we encourage people to, to ask questions. And then, you know, ultimately, if someone's interested, uh, we encourage them to just give us a call for a complimentary consultation. You know, as a general rule, you know, if you have a, an asset base of more than a million dollars, you know, typically you've sort of outgrown the traditional 
sort of will distribution model of estate planning and it's time to look at something that's a bit more comprehensive to see if if we can't you know help manage taxation and ensure that that assets are being properly managed throughout your lifetime and and for the benefit of your children or whoever you'd like to ultimately leave them to mm-hmm. time to go to mcmillanestate.com m-a-c-m-i-l-l-a-n estate.com you can also phone them at 1-833-266-6464 it's vancouver consumer on cknw and we'll have more with chris sabat from mcmillan estate planning and uh we'll let you know how you can save a ton in taxes as you pass your estate on and the trouble with organizing your finances especially as you get a little bit older the problem is you can't see into the future but you can plan for the future and the unknown and my expert is uh is my guest (laughs) my guest is my expert chris sabat is with mcmillan estate planning and uh he is uh, good at looking into the future he doesn't uh claim to to you don't claim to see the future but you can establish a way that we can attack the future in a in a better way does that make any sense at all I, I suppose it does. I think you're probably giving me a little bit more more credit than I than I deserve. Um, you know, I think I think when it comes to things like you know changes in in legislation or changes in taxation, you know, generally speaking, um, you know, there are many individuals that are able to sort of predict the direction that a government might go. You know, and certainly governments move slowly and. You know, as a general rule, what I, what I always think is that, you know, if the government is looking for a way to increase taxes or tax revenue, um, what they're going to do is they're going to look around at, at other jurisdictions as far as it concerns the taxation of our estates. And so, you know, there's been a bit of talk about things like increasing the capital gains inclusion rate, you know, and if you went from, say, a 50% inclusion rate to, say, 75%, you know, that's about an extra $125,000 in taxes on, on every million dollars of, of growth. Um, and that you know, would be the, on something like your house, for example. It, yeah, if it, well, if they move away from the tax-free um, exemption on your home, certainly. But, you know, so it would apply to things like your businesses. Um, it would apply to non-registered investment accounts. Um, you know, might apply to the family cabin out in the shoe swaps. You know, those sorts of things, you know, unless, you know, as a basic rule, unless there's an exemption or a rollover available, that kind of thing, you know, if for, for every dollar that uh, there's an increase in value, there's going to be about 25 cents in, in taxes. And so, of course, they're talking about, or there's, there's chatter about, could that in, increase? And so we see some families, you know, I, I don't necessarily like this technique, but triggering taxes early to avoid that, you know, using more complex estate planning methods in order to you know, to ultimately eliminate, you know, that potential future increase, but even capital gains taxation that would, that would be imposed if they were to, to pass away in the sort of the immediate interim. So tax planning is key. And when people go to MacmillanEstate.com or even people who are just considering uh, the future, they're getting ready to retire and they want to make sure their kids are looked after, what's the first step in tax planning? Well, I mean, one of the first steps is to really look at, at the assets that you hold, right? Um, you know, if you are if you own farmland, there are certain techniques that are available to you. If you have a significant investment portfolio, 
Um, you can look at ways to manage that that taxation on on death. Um, you know, same with real estate portfolios. Uh, if you have an active business, there are some some great exemptions that are available to you if you if you meet the tests. Um, but you know, generally speaking, what people are looking at, at at doing, especially families with significant wealth, you know, maybe if you get above the sort of the four to five million dollars in assets, they're looking at ways to, in essence, kind of define their taxation on death and stop the accumulation of taxes. So maybe limiting taxation at a million or $2 million when they pass and transferring value, uh, you know, to the children or, or to other individuals so that they can not only understand and plan for the taxes that'll be imposed on, on a, on a passing, um, but also sort of minimize that, that value. And it's a technique that works really quite well. And, you know, for example, if you have a family business and the idea was that that would be transitioned to the children, it's a good idea for them to, to, to have an opportunity to sort of get some skin in the game, maybe take on some ownership interests. And if you don't plan for the taxes in kind of worst case scenario, sometimes what we see happening is that the need to pay those taxes can actually significantly disrupt or destroy the business because there's this sudden cash call that, that has to, you know, be extracted from the business in order to satisfy the tax bill. Right. And let's talk about wills. Obviously, wills are, are very important. A lot of people uh, haven't written up a will in many, many years, and maybe their finances have changed. Some people don't have a will. But uh, I think I know the answer to this question, but how important is a will and how does it fit into all this? Yeah, you know, absolutely. A will is important, um, but I think you have to appreciate the limitations of a will. So, you know, generally speaking, you can you can unfortunately create a will where sometimes you trigger additional taxes earlier than otherwise you, you might have. Um, but generally speaking, a will just distributes assets. You know, it's not a tax plan. Um, you know, it doesn't provide any sort of way to, to protect assets after, after we pass, once they maybe move into the hands of the children. And if you get to an estate value sort of north of a million plus dollars, for some families, you'd maybe outgrown a will. And, you know, what's, I don't want to say unique about British Columbia, but it's certainly one of those provinces where, where there is a probate fee that's calculated based on asset value. And if your assets move through a will, if you have significant assets, you're going to pay significant probate fees, you know, on passing or, you know, in particular the passing of the second spouse. And so many of the families that we work with, we use trust planning in order to avoid the use of a will and to avoid the probate fees that would otherwise be imposed. And if, you know, if you have a large enough estate, you know, we've worked with families where the probate fees, um, you know, would have been in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that can become quite quite significant. It's a low percentage, but if the value of the estate's high, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Chris Sabat from MacmillanEstate.com. You can visit them at MacmillanEstate.com, M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N, estate.com. Uh, you've got a virtual seminar coming up October 21st. It's at 5.30. It's kind of a virtual wine and cheese, I understand, because <laughs> usually that's what it is. It's kind of a wine and cheese. But I think a lot of people uh, could really uh, value from getting a, a little bit of an opinion because uh, 
it's funny how life creeps up on you. All of a sudden, you have a home that you own, and it's worth a lot of money, and you're trying to retire. And sometimes people just aren't prepared. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely right. I, you know, I've seen a few stats that have been bantered about, you know, sort of basically along the lines of, you know, 50% of, of Canadians don't have a will. And so from my perspective, if, you know, let's call it half of us don't have a will, then at least that number don't have any sort of a meaningful estate plan. And, you know, if you haven't thought about how you're going to protect asset values and how you're going to minimize taxes, um, you know, there's going to be a real impact there to, to the family wealth. And uh, and that that's really unfortunate because we're all new money. We've all had to work hard to build our legacies. And we want to protect it for, for ourselves and for our families. It's just kind of that simple, right? Yeah. And when you think of estate planning, you always think of uh, a family with kids. What about single people? How important is estate planning for a single person? You know, absolutely, still, still very important. Um, you know, at the end of the day, for example, if you, you know, if you die without a will, well, there's an intestacy process through which the government decides who will receive your assets. Um, those may not be the individuals that that you wish to to benefit. Um, and I would say, you know, when it comes to estate planning, because we're thinking foremost about you and your life and your goals. You know, it's absolutely necessary. All of us have goals and dreams and aspirations for when we retire and, and latter years. And, uh, and you know, most of us don't really want to pay any more than our fair share of taxes. And so that's that's also an important, important piece of it. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you know, unfortunately, there's that old saying about death and taxes will all pass. And uh, we want to make sure that our legacy benefits, you know, charity or or other family members, you know, whatever whatever our choice happens to be. And so single people still need to plan. Yeah, I guess for a lot of single people, uh, if they don't plan, then it will just go to their, to their brother or sister. And if they haven't seen them or don't like them, that's just the way it is. That, that's, yeah, that, that in essence is the end result often. So, um, you know... An individual, they've built a legacy, they should take the time to decide what's going to happen to it. Yeah. And, and life insurance. To me, life insurance is, a, is, is kind of a, a, a thing that I don't understand, to be honest. And how does life insurance fit into all this? And, and obviously, uh, you can't like, enlighten me on how life insurance works in a few sentences, but how does it fit in? Yeah. So this is what I would say about life insurance. It kind of fits in if you in two broad categories. One, there's a period when we're typically younger where we need life insurance just in case something happens to maybe the primary earner and you want to make sure that, you know, the family still lives a good lifestyle. And so life insurance, you know, typically term insurance has a real purpose there. You know, where life insurance really can be a benefit as part of estate planning is that it can be utilized in a lot of tax minimization strategies. Um, you know, you need to find the right person. It can be complex, um, but it really does does have a purpose and a role as it relates to estate planning and, and minimizing taxation. So, it's the kind of thing where where I encourage you know I encourage every family to to take the time to truly understand it and see if it might might work for them. It doesn't work for everybody, but for many many families, particularly business owners, uh, it, it works well. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess, yeah, it gets very complicated when, when you've got a business and uh, you're trying to pass that on. It's MacmillanEstate.com is the website to visit. M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N Estate.com. Chris Sabat is our guest. And uh, the virtual seminar is October 21st at 5.30. And if you go to MacmillanEstate.com, you can sign up for it. 1-833-266-6464. And it's kind of a low pressure thing. People can just come in and get a little bit of advice. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's your whole strategy there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the goal is, you know, really pass on some information. Uh, Hopefully, you know, hopefully, an individual that attends maybe takes away a couple of nuggets of, of information or maybe questions that they have as to how some particular approach might apply to their own personal circumstances. And then, you know, we're, we're more than happy to, on a complimentary basis, just have a call with a family and, and talk about, you know, the techniques that we've discussed during the seminar and, and others and how they might, might assist. Um, you're right. Unfortunately, you know, everyone will have to bring their own wine and cheese. We can't do that. That, you know, it's not as nice as it was when it was live, but, uh, but hopefully it's, it's, uh, a valuable event for everyone. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a, a strange time that we live in and an uncertain time. And, uh, I kind of like this because it, it gives you a, a sense of certainty. You can plan for the, those kind of waves and storms that are, that are going to happen. <laughs> So thank you, Chris. Chris Sabat is with Macmillan Estate Planning, and uh, you can uh, talk to Chris at 1-833-266-6464 if you want to give a call to Macmillan Estate uh, Planning. MacmillanEstate.com, and it's M-A-C. I always like to point that out. M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N, Estate.com. Chris, uh, thank you very much, and uh, best of luck, and uh, we will be talking to you soon. Great. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Always a pleasure. Chris Sabat from MacmillanEstate.com, Macmillan Estate Planning. This is uh, Vancouver Consumer, and when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Time now for our Ask Andrew feature with our producer, Andrew Ferreira. And the question on a lot of people's mind these days is, is there too much parking in Vancouver, a lot of people would argue with that. But Andrew, uh, what's your take? I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't think there's too much parking. I think, you know, uh, on good days, parking uh, can be slightly difficult to find depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I do think, uh, you know, in or- I think this pandemic has kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes into not only the health, you know, of our bodies, uh, but the health of our cities uh-huh. because we're starting to find that, you know what, maybe we didn't like sitting in a car for 90 minutes, you know, back and forth to work every day. Maybe we didn't really like that. Yes. Uh, I, I can see how that is a thing with zoom technology. Maybe now. we didn't like, you know, clamoring for the one parking spot at the strip mall because, Oh my God, if that SUV gets there before I do, I'm <laughs> going to lose it. Uh, NPA counselor in Vancouver, Sarah Kirby Young, uh, had a motion uh, that was approved on Tuesday uh, that essentially looks to eliminate city-mandated parking minimums in future building development projects. So whenever any, you know, big commercial or residential building is kind of put forward, 
uh, you know, for deliberation, for planning purposes, there needs to be a minimum number of parking spaces uh, for the building, given its occupancy, given its use, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you look across the country, Edmonton uh, actually eliminated parking minimums in June. And people think of Edmonton as driver's paradise right. compared to Vancouver. Big wide roads, no parking during peak hours on major arteries. Yet they went ahead and limited parking minimums because they see that there's just not this need. You know, not only do they want to kind of discourage people from driving, they want to kind of make, you know, spend your money wisely. Parking spots cost money. And if that money can be put to better use elsewhere, why not make that happen? Uh, you know, before the show today, we were talking a little bit and I and I said that, you know, I think in the ideal city, especially in the ideal city that Vancouver seems to want itself to be, owning a car shouldn't be a necessity. It should be, maybe I just want, you know, a personal vehicle. Vancouver, I think, is trying to position itself, and the Lower Mainland as a whole is trying to position itself as a place where you can get by on the bus and the train and car sharing. Now, I personally use car share. Uh, you know, as a young person in the lower mainland, owning a car is a pipe dream for me. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't make sense financially because I live in a place where I'm lucky enough. And, you know, a lot of us are that, you know, near my house are buses that run from 6 a.m. to, you know, 1230 at night. Um, you know, they run relatively frequently. I can get to an, a train station with relative ease. And if I need to, car sharing is abundant and I've never had a problem looking for it. So all these little steps, I think, this kind of potential to eliminate parking minimums could be kind of a, a glimpse of the future into what development in the city looks like. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And car sharing is not going anywhere. That's for sure. No. And, you know, even in this pandemic, people have been wary of car sharing because, oh, you don't know who was in the vehicle before you. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good point. It is a good point. And... The companies have, I believe, tackled that well. You know, they include hand sanitizer in, in, in there and they give you ample warning. Uh, you know, even they say, you know, if you don't have to rent a vehicle, just don't do it. You know, it's OK. <laughs> You'll, you can probably live without it. But that being said, you know, not everyone can get by without a car. And so there should still be some parking, of course. But uh, perhaps we can do with a little bit less. Well, thank you, Andrew. Andrew Ferreira. Ask Andrew is our feature. And when Vancouver Consumer returns, we're going to talk to John Carlson from 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, this market is red hot. September was a record setter. And uh, John Carlson will tell you uh, not only how you can save some money on uh, commissions, but also get the best price for uh, whatever it is that you're selling. Or if you're buying, he'll also help you there. So that's coming up when Vancouver Consumer continues. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.